Hello, and welcome back to Better Health Now. This is Rob Brown again, your host. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today about some more information uh, to try to get you on the, the right track to becoming healthier this year. Uh, we started this year talking about some New Year's resolutions, things that can derail us and, and keep us off the straight and narrow for getting healthier because so many people make New Year's resolutions that have to do with health. Uh, and we're going to talk today about some of the things that affect us as far as what we drink. Last week, we talked about the things that we eat and how they can affect us, how we could make bad choices and maybe end up sort of behind the curve of where we want to be. If you've been listening in, uh, that's great. Uh, I hope that you're getting some good information. If you are, please leave a comment. If you want to touch base with me, send me a a message on email. It's betterhealthnowpodcast at gmail.com. Any suggestions on topics you'd like me to tackle in future episodes would be welcomed. Uh, Any comments or criticisms or questions that you have, I'd be happy to answer them in there as well. So let's go and spend some time thinking about what we drink in a normal day. And when I talk about drink, uh, sometimes I think we can forget about all the, the things that we drink and sort of dismiss a lot of the stuff. So what I want you to do for just a minute is hit the pause button on this. Uh, this is a podcast. You're sitting and listening to this. You have the, the phone in your hand or the device that you're listening to. Hit the pause button and think about what you've had to drink today. If it's early in the morning, then I want you to run through everything that you had yesterday. But spend just a minute or two thinking about what exactly it was that you drank yesterday or today so we can have a feel for where we are. Go ahead, hit the pause button. I won't know if you don't do it, but I'm going to pretend that I'm pausing for you. Hey, welcome back. Glad you made it back after that pause. How much do you drink in a normal day? What is the total amount that you drink? If you thought about these things, then I'm sure a part of what went into your head was how many cups of coffee I had. How many glasses of water did I have? How much iced tea did I have? How much milk did I drink? If you're not able to think about those things, you don't have to pause again because heavens, that would just slow this podcast down way too much. All, all that pausing by me. That's something else that you need to be aware of. How much do you drink? There's a lot of talk out there that people say we should all drink eight, eight ounce glasses of water each day. Now, the people that have the most credibility in saying that are the people that are also responsible for selling you eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day. They're the companies that manufacture water. They're the company that manufacture water systems or water filters or some kind of a product for you to purchase from them. And that's why you should drink all this water. Medical research does not have such a number out there. I've also seen someone else said that you should drink one ounce of water for every pound of body weight you are per day. I weigh 200 pounds, so I should drink 200 ounces per day. As a general rule, that is ridiculous. There's no medical science behind that. There are people who say, I feel a lot better when I do that. It'll clear up your end. It'll do a thousand and one marvelous things for you, according to the people that are always selling it to you. There's just no good sources out there that say that's what you need to drink. So how are you supposed to figure out how much you should drink? If we don't know that we're drinking not enough, then we can't make changes. Well, this is a little bit of an awkward answer when it comes to discussing how much you should drink, but we have to go there because this truly is the best way. And the answer really is a question. What color is your urine? I know, nobody wants to talk about that, but what I need you to do is take a look at it the next time you go to the bathroom. As long as you have pale, light yellow colored urine, you're drinking enough. 
If you've got dark yellow colored urine, if it smells very strong, uh, those are a couple of signs that you don't have enough fluid intake. If it's a bright yellow, my question to you would be how many supplements do you take? Because a lot of times excess vitamins that our body won't absorb get passed through to the urine and will show up as a bright yellow color I don't want to say quite like Mountain Dew, but it can almost be that bright of a yellow. So if you're seeing dark yellow, if you're seeing bright yellow, if you're seeing lots of color in there, it's really not what we're looking for. That's not the desirable thing. We do need to flush those extra vitamins out. So maybe if you're taking a lot of vitamins, it's important to drink a little bit more, but not the eight eight ounces per day. If your urine is clear, then you're actually drinking too much water. You don't need to drink that much water. It's not helping your body out. In fact, it could be causing some harm. We're not going to talk about exactly what harm that is. And there's not a whole lot of people that get into that situation, but it is possible. From from now on, take a look and see what your total volume is based on that. And once you get a feel for that, yesterday I drank this much of normal fluid and this is the color of my urine. You'll get a feel for where you need to be. Of course, that amount is going to change based on your conditions. If you're a person who works outdoors and it's moderate weather, moderate temperatures, then you won't need to drink as much. If you're a person who works on roofs in the summertime and you're going through a gallon of water before lunchtime, uh, you obviously that gallon of water is more than your normal drink and more than most people drink, but it's probably not even enough for you if you're up on a roof that's adding an extra 15 or 20 degrees to the temperature. There's really no no way to say there is a perfect amount of water that and liquid that everybody should drink because we all have different jobs. You got to take your own situation into the uh, consideration there when you try to figure it out. That's the probably the most important thing when it comes to talking about how much we should drink. The next thing to talk about is what it is that we're getting when we drink. Most of the stuff we drink, with the exception of water, ends up having calories in it, potentially nutritional value. So those are the, the good things that we get. Now, too many calories would be a negative, but it's still in there. So we need to think about that. Those are the same kind of things that our food, our solid food intake gives us. Calories and nutrition. We'd like to get the, the sources of nutrition into our body that are good. So we, we'd like to drink stuff that's going to give us nutrition. We'd like to eat food that's going to give us nutrition, not just consume a whole bunch of calories that don't bring with it vitamins and minerals that our body needs to work properly. Water, free, no calories in it, also no nutrition. So we're not really getting anything good. We're just not getting anything bad. We have to consider then the calories for everything we drink. So let's start off with the, the number of calories in the cup of coffee that you drink in the mornings. I know some of you people that don't drink coffees are going, this doesn't pertain to me. Just bear with me for a minute. We'll catch up with you. If you stop by Starbucks every morning and grab a Vente Mocha Frappuccino, you're putting 500 calories into your body. Along with that, you're getting 25% of your daily fat intake, almost 20% of your daily cholesterol intake, and 28% of your daily carb intake. Now you're getting a little bit of calcium from all that cream, about 20%, and you're getting a little bit of iron from some of those sources as well. Now that's an awful lot of calories and fat to put into your body for a minimal amount of nutrition. Some people are on a 2000 calorie per day diet and just your drink is one quarter of your calories. No nutrition for one quarter of your calories. That's a tough one. That's a real tough one. And by the way, that's 24 ounces of liquid. That's a lot of liquid. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, I don't stop at Starbucks. I just have regular coffee. A regular coffee with cream and sugar comes in around 300 calories. 
If you're putting cream in there, it's 10% of your fat. Every food and drink that, or every drink that we put into our bodies has to come with that kind of a thought process. It needs that. My wife has a friend who drinks a vente chai tea latte every morning. That is 310 calories. There's 10% of your fat, and there's, but there's a little bit more calcium in that. She's getting a little bit of her nutrition in there, and she's not getting quite as many calories. That could be a better substitute. Now, if you try to tell somebody that drinks caffeine to switch to tea, they're probably going to kick you. So I don't do that. And I'm not suggesting that you give up on your Starbucks. I just want you to really be thoughtful about what is going into that cup. Maybe you can maintain your same Starbucks, but take it down a size. Maybe you should ask for skim milk, or maybe you should ask for no rip whipped cream. And I know those are part of the things that make all those drinks so good, but do you really need an extra 100 calories or 200 calories or an extra 10 or 20 grams of fat from some of the yummy choices that are in there? I'm not saying no, I'm just saying be thoughtful about it. Be, be, be uh, aware of what, what you're putting in there. Now, the one thing that I'm not going to do is tell you that you shouldn't be drinking coffee. Caffeine is not a bad thing. There's a lot of good research out there that points out how caffeine is good for you. It's really good for your brain. Even up to three cups of coffee a day is what they recommend. It prevents a lot of liver problems, helps your brain work, prevents some of the degenerative brain process, stimulates the central nervous system. Caffeine actually is the most commonly consumed psychoactive substance in the world. It does help our brains with functioning and alertness. Now, there's a little caution in there as well. We're not just talking about calories and whether or not we get any vitamins and minerals. If you're going to drink your cup of coffee, we have to think about caffeine content. The normal recommended daily allowance for caffeine is 400 milligrams a day. One grande plain coffee from Starbucks can bring you in at 330 milligrams of caffeine. So one of those is almost your daily amount of caffeine. If you're slugging down a couple of those a day, you run the risk of losing the benefits of what the caffeine's doing and, and heading to the negative things that caffeine starts to do for you. By the way, that chai tea that you drink, 95 milligrams of caffeine. So you could really easily put down four of those a day and still be right around your caffeine limit for the whole day. It's all about choices, folks. I'm not telling you what choice to make. I just want us to be aware of these things so we can be more deliberate about the choices that we make. It's all in our hands. Everything is in our control when it comes to what we put into our bodies. Think about that when you're grabbing your morning cup. Caffeine, calories, fat, maybe even cholesterol. We might want to cut back on a flavor shot or like I said before, skim milk. Shrink the shrink the size down from the grande to a, a medium. I'm not suggesting cold turkey because you'll get a massive caffeine withdrawal headache. I know that I started off this section on caffeine and I said, we're going to get to the rest of you people. I'm sure that there are some of you non-coffee drinkers out there sighing and smiling to yourselves about the dangers of caffeine that I mentioned because you're so superior with your decaffeinated selves, right? Okay. Do any of you indulge in those lovely energy drinks? Monster Energy Zero Ultra is the one I chose to talk about because it's probably at the top of the list. Uh, no calories. Yay. Hey, we have a drink here that's got no calories, but it's got 140 milligrams of caffeine per serving. And there are two servings in that can. So you slug that thing down and you are darn close to that grande coffee from Starbucks when it comes to caffeine content. So don't think that just because you stay away from coffee, but you're drinking Monster Energy drinks. Rockstar Zero Carb, again, zero sugars in there, 240 milligrams of caffeine. And the original Monster Energy drink is only 160 milligrams of caffeine. We get drinks and there are people that choose to get their little pick-me-up from their morning cup. Some people choose to get it from their Rockstar or their Monster Energy drinks. 
I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that we need to be aware of that and think about that. That automatically brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about. I used Monster Energy Zero Ultra, something with no calories. Well, if you don't have sugar in most foods, it's not going to taste very good. And it's not going to taste very well for drinks either. So calories become important. Well, what a lot of these companies do when they want to make something non-caloric to appeal to those people who want to cut down on the calories and the sugar is use some of the artificial sweeteners. I do not plan on doing an entire podcast today on the dangers of artificial sweeteners. There are two very strongly opposed camps out there. One says artificial sweeteners are horrible. You should never have them under any situation. And the other group that says just the opposite. There's no good scientific research that suggests that they're bad for you. They're helpful for people who are diabetic and still need to eat foods and and have things taste sweet. Most people, we do like things that taste sweet. I don't want to get into that. I just want to give you a bit of a warning. If this issue keeps popping up, then there are people that are finding some reasons to suggest that artificial sweeteners are harmful. The original research back in the 70s on saccharin was that it caused cancer in lab rats. They came back and they debunked that and they argued and said that was wrong. But at the exact same time, they came out with NutraSweet. And when NutraSweet was purported to cause all these problems, they did the research on it and the people from NutraSweet said, no, it doesn't. But lo and behold, they came out with the next sweetener. And that's what's going to continue to happen, folks. Anytime someone suggests that there's something wrong with one of these chemicals, it's going to get researched and somebody else is going to come out with the next artificial non-caloric or low calorie sweetener to be able to offer to those people and say ours is better than theirs. When we get enough time, I think, to research these things, I'm convinced that we're going to find that there are some drawbacks with them. These are chemicals that we're putting into our body. And our body has to process them and do something with them. You can't just think that we're putting a non-nutritive, non-calorie, low-calorie sweetener in the body and it just magically passes through our body and does nothing. There's not a chemical around that has no effect on us. People suck the helium out of balloons because they think it's harmless. But it does shorten up our vocal cords and makes us talk squeaky, which is funny. It also displaces the oxygen that's going to our brain temporarily. Why I don't recommend you breathe helium nonstop, it will have an effect on you if you're drinking it for long enough periods of time. So just because we haven't come out and figured out exactly how these low-cal sweeteners affect us yet, what was really bad about them, doesn't mean that they aren't bad for us. And I really think that over time, they're going to get a better understanding about what these things do to us. How many years is it going to take? How many of those diet drinks have you slugged down in the meantime? That's a, that's a great question. And my choice for myself is that I stay away from those artificial sweeteners as much as possible, especially when they come out with a brand new one, claiming that it's all natural, claiming it's completely safe without any kind of research behind it. The, the argument that is raised with that response is, then why do we have them? Why do we use these artificial sweeteners? Well, they help diabetics enjoy food. They help them enjoy the sweeter taste of food. They also help lots of other people lose weight. At least that's what they say. If you look at America today, we consume more diet drinks and we've got more different kinds of artificial sweeteners than ever before in history. And we still are a nation that faces this massive obesity crisis. Obviously, Artificial sweeteners have not helped people lose weight. They have not curbed the obesity crisis, even though the use of these sweeteners is more and more and more every year. We need to really think through these things and be very cautious about those chemicals as we put them into our body. For each individual person listening out there, my recommendation for you is pay attention. 
if you begin switching over to the new sweetener, you decide that you like stevia. It's a more natural product in your opinion. And when you start eating it, you develop a rash. When you start eating it, you develop ringing in your ears. When you start eating it, it upsets your stomach or gives you indigestion or anything like that. That's the reaction that you get for it. It may not be the reaction that everybody gets, but it's something that you need to think about and maybe consider cutting back on it uh, or cutting that out. Individually, this needs to be done, not corporately, um, until we get all the research in, and that's going to take years and years and years and years. Think through and observe what's going on as you're drinking these artificial sweeteners. Artificial sweeteners, like I said, then brings us to talk about the sodas, the carbonated beverages. Let's talk about the cola or soft drink, and is it really that bad for you well a 12 ounce can of mountain dew is 170 calories there's some caffeine in there uh, 12 ounce pepsi is 150 calories also some caffeine in there this could be for some people close closing in on 10 percent of your daily ca calorie intake there's really no significant vitamins or minerals in those they're not very good for us and if we're only talking about 150 calories they're not that bad or are they how many people are stopping at a 12 ounce can of soda and how many people are walking around with a 16-ounce bottle of one of these sodas? You've got to add, add another 25% of calories on there. And those now are pushing up toward more like 200 calories. How many people go through the drive throughs and get the supersized version of that? Or they get the, the double size or they get the 40-ouncer? There's a lot of people doing that. And there's a lot of people consuming that because it's an inexpensive drink and they like the taste of it. We do like our sugars. Even if you're, whether you've got artificial sweeteners in there or not, it doesn't make a difference. That only cuts the calories out. There's other things in there. Are there any risks with carbonation? A lot of the pediatric folks out there speak, and dentists especially, speak against sodas for kids. We don't want to put that stuff into their mouths while they're growing their teeth. If it's questionable at their teeth, then what about the rest of their bodies? Most people don't like the idea of giving sodas to kids, diet or not. If carbonation and the sugar is bad for their teeth, then are you certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that the NutraSweet is not going to have an effect for them? It may not be that much, but think about this. If you add a soda to lunch and a soda for dinner, that's 300 calories you've added to your daily intake without any nutrition. If you started your morning off with that Starbucks mocha frappuccino at 500 calories, then a soda for lunch, a soda for dinner, and a mocha frapp for breakfast is 800 calories just in drinks. And there's really essentially no nutrition in any of those. That's a third of your calories for a 2,400 calorie per day person. And there's no nutrition. There's only two choices. You're either going to go through the rest of your day malnourished. You're not going to get all the vitamins and minerals that you need, or you're going to have to start over consuming your foods because it's really hard to get all your nutrients in there in just 1,200 calories or 700 calories if you're trying to cut down to a 1,500 calorie per day diet. More consumption of calories leads us to weight gain, overweight problem, right back into that. Those 150 calorie cans of soda really add up if we're adding a couple of them per day. And if you're adding two of them every day, just for the weekdays, you're adding 1,500 calories. That's almost a pound of calories that you've consumed just in the soda. Think about that and how just cutting one of those out per day, one of those out per week could have a positive impact on some of the health goals that we're trying to make. I want to talk real quickly here about something that I don't have a great bunch of information on because this information is even more sketchy than the information out there about the artificial sweeteners. What about all the rest of that stuff that shows up in the sodas? Read the labels for that. What about high fructose corn syrup? Are we certain that it is completely non-harmful to us? What about the red dye number 40 or the blue dye number one? What about the carbonation? Are we sure that all of those things are harmless for us? 
about the, the preservatives that are put into some of those drinks, not just sodas? What about the newest fruit extract or the newest thing that they're using for energy boost? A lot of those energy boost things are just alternative sources of caffeine. But since they don't say caffeine, it sounds like they're not as bad for us. Things like yerba. Oh, that sounds like a great thing. It's a root. It's a plant. It's an herb. It's a, it's a caffeine substitute. It's a caffeine. It really has the same effect. Now, there are many claims that energy drinks and smoothies make and even protein shakes promise you. We shouldn't forget about the miracles of drinking a, a bottle of kombucha every morning because it's got so many health benefits for us. This is where things get real tough and we need to get very skeptical. And that is my recommendation. Begin with a skeptical approach to all of these things. And I move slowly to acceptance of this new thing as it stands the test of time. If, if something makes claims that it's great for everyone, it's great for every condition, and your life just won't be the same without it, it really starts out on the very bottom end of my believability scale and my, the top end of my skepticism scale. Drinks, on the other hand, they claim to offer one nutrient uh, that, that you might have lacking in your diet. This is a replacement for the thing that you're lacking. I think those are probably more reasonable for me to, to buy out. And once those drinks and those products that are out there last more than a couple of seasons, a couple of years, they get some, some longevity to them, we get to see are there side effects uh, and are people really benefiting from them. Now, the last thing that I'm going to talk about here is another topic I think that's, that's kind of controversial, and that is people who are lactose intolerant and don't want to drink the milk. Well, frequently those folks still want to drink something that's milk-like, uh, and they add soy for their cereal, or they put soy milk in their drinks, that coffee drink that they have, because it cuts down on the amount of cholesterol. It cuts down on some of those other things. The caution with soy is that soy is a plant and it is loaded with plant-based or what's also called phytoestrogens, P-H-Y-T-O, phytoestrogens. These are a good source of estrogen for some people. These are a bad source of estrogen for some other people. They carry with them the realization that people who are ingesting soy are putting estrogen into their body. Now, not everyone needs to be putting estrogen into their body. The research on the soy is picking up steam as well. There's a lot of people that are out there trying to say that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and the other side is saying this is the worst thing that we've ever seen. The research is in its earliest stages, and I would say that right now, your use of soy should be the exact same thing. It should be deliberate. It should be considered and it should be based upon the positive and negative things that it does for you. Case by case basis. What does it do for you? Do some research on your particular issues to decide, do I need to put estrogens into my body? Are they helpful for me? Are they contributing to any of the other problems that I already have? Are they making those things worse or are they making those things better? I've said this lots of times and I'm going to close today by saying the same thing again. The most important place for all of us to start is to become aware of what's going on. Today, we're talking about becoming more aware of what you drink. Now, this is becoming easier and easier because every place we go to and buy stuff has to label their foods, has to label their drinks. It's right there on the bottle. It's right there on the menu. Look at calories and look at nutrition when you decide, are you going to eat or drink something? A little harder to find is the caffeine intake or the protein intake, or the sugar intake, or the soy that's in there. That's where you have to then become aware of what kind of problems and benefits that that drink or that food may be giving to you. That big drink in your hand could be playing a role in some of your health issues and might need to be reconsidered. 
You don't have to switch everything out. I'm going to stop soda altogether. Probably a great recipe for failure. But cutting back one soda per week, one soda per day, one cup of coffee, one medium size instead of the grande or vente might help reduce some of the health risks that you have. And if you do that, it can put you on the path to better health now.